PR Pro Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, our regular weekly podcast here on Pro Cannabis Media. And once again, we remind you to like, share and subscribe, not just to this podcast, but also to all the content producers that we share and distribute on our network. That includes our friends from the Green Nurse Group, Emerald Media, Vote Pro Podcast, and also Canna Cooks. Com. But for now, this is all about In the Weeds, and I am so happy to be joined by a gentleman by the name of B.C. Wayman. He comes from Ohio way. Hello, B.C. How are you? I am good, Jimmy. I am good. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. And I so appreciate you joining us. I know that you're wearing your CSC Cleveland School of Cannabis shirt right there. I know you wave that flag. Tell us a little bit about what you teach at the Cleveland School of Cannabis. Uh, well, to start, I guess to give a bit of an origin story, right? And I think you've had some, you know, conversations or people with the school before. So I started, you know, four years ago before the school was anything uh, into existence in about 2015, doing what people do when they want to work in a cool industry like cannabis. Google or indeed Cannabis Jobs Ohio. Now we're 15. We're, we're, we're before House Bill 523. We're before any legalization. Pretty much we're zero results. And so it kept you know, Googling, Googling, one day, ding, business instructor, Cleveland School of Cannabis. At the time, it was a different name. They since changed names. But still, business instructor, I thought, hmm, I've got about a decade plus of business instruction. I've always done well teaching and being in front of people. But this sounds weird and like a scam and something with a bunch of stoners. Maybe it's a little too much for me. So, uh, you know, I sent my resume in. My first interview is at a Panera because the school doesn't exist yet. So I'm still like, you know, red flags or green flags, I should say, raising up and down. <laughs> um, but lo and behold, it turned out to be a thing. And now four years later, I'm, uh, I think I was the second instructor hired. And I'm thinking one of the longest tenured staff at the school. I've been there since we opened. Uh, I still teach what I taught day one, though that course, and we can talk about this because of the changes in the industry has changed dramatically. Uh, it's an introduction to business class, right? It's this program designed to teach uh, initially just business ideas, business concepts, and we have shifted given, uh, you know, the huge amount of capital, a huge amount of money you may need to get into a traditional plant touching job uh, or, you know, those types of situations. So we've really focused on entrepreneurship and starting your own business. And our class does essentially kind of like a mock uh, investment pitch is kind of your final project. So it's this whole touch on a little bit of all the different aspects of business. Um, so we do that. And then I also teach taking those same business skills as part of our cultivation. One of our cultivation classes, I teach Lean and Six Sigma techniques, uh, trying to introduce these concepts, you know, started in manufacturing, started in Toyota in the 30s, uh, used largely distribution centers, Amazon, places like that. Uh, and now we're seeing a slight trend, small, but Lean, in particular, maybe some Six Sigma, but mostly lean, right? These methodologies of efficiency into big agriculture. And what is growing cannabis if it's root, pun intended, big agriculture? So can we incorporate these tools and these mental tricks of efficiency into growing crops 
uh, into growing cannabis. Uh, so those are kind of our two main focuses. I do some legal stuff. In fact, I actually sub a lot. I'm a good reader of slides, Jimmy. I think that's an important skill to have. I can uh, put a smile on and read some information, even if I don't understand it. And when we go down like the endocannabinoid system, uh, that's like brilliant. But you know, I'm more of a I'm more of a talker and a looker, as you can clearly tell, Jimmy. <laughs> I bring other attributes besides knowledge. I bring jokes and handsomeness. Like these are traits that are often overlooked by resume bots. Like they just skip by my good looks, and I'm like, how dare you? Because you first saw you're like now I've seen the picture. You know, you're welcome in the weeds audience. Here I am. <laughs> so, 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 you know, I'm always looking for talent. Okay. And what are the first, and by the way, can you define what talent is BC? Do you know what talent is? You have a, That's you a, have a talent agency on here, at least part of a talent agency. Sure. No, I work define, for some. I define do. what talent is. What, what is your definition of talent? It's a good question. Uh, yeah, I do work for some. I work as an actor, uh, like training videos, things like that. Um, talent. See, obviously it would be reflective onto whatever field. So if we want to make a very ambiguous, vague definition of talent that can apply to both say sports or to business or to, uh, you know, artwork, um, maybe, maybe it's just the ability to commit yourself to a craft, uh, try to do this. And this is a phrase I use a lot in my, in my class, try to have this quest for unattainable perfection, right? Try to get so good at something right? It's why LeBron James or any other basketball player still shoots free throws, shot a million free throws. He doesn't need to practice. Why? Quest for unattainable perfection. So maybe committing yourself to a cause and then some have natural talent, right? Some have natural gifts, but without it, maybe just through hard work, effort, discipline, just getting really, really good at something uh, and doing it, you know, better than others, but full commitment. I think full commitment's a big part uh, of being talented. Confident personality in a communication role. I like that. I like what that. What do you think? I right? like that a lot. Well, that, that's what I look for, by the way. When I look for talent, that's what I'm looking for. Um, doesn't hurt if you happen to be, uh, not have a face for radio, if you will, right? So, uh, you know, there is that. We call them dial twisters. We don't want you to be a dial twister. So uh, we try to avoid that. Um, and of course, uh, as I always tell my friends, if you do tune in, that mute button works perfectly. So yeah. yeah, overrated though. Listen, people, listen the whole time. Yeah, no, I'm big on that. Hey, and God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, right, BC? Yes, exactly. So um, more people can hear me. <laughs> more people can hear me, less people can talk. That's what I love. More me. I'm kind of the Terrell Owens. Uh, I love me some me, which makes me sound overly conceited and sometimes half joking, but sometimes half accurate. Let's be honest. Right. Well, you know, like glass is either half full or half empty, depending on how you look at it. I get it. And uh, confidence is great to have, by the way. Um, one of the other things as you describe yourself in some of the bios that I found is you like talking to people and you're a storyteller. Now, mm -hmm. that is what a journalist is. A journalist is a storyteller, whether they are using uh, text or, or print, you know, writing or speaking Oral storytelling is a, uh, a very old profession. Uh, the town crier, you remember that? The town crier sure, had absolutely. a very loud mouth and he could go out in the public and he could uh, talk uh, to people, whether they listened or not. And I love the fact that you actually say, I think I, I saw this, you don't even need an audience. Am I right? 
Uh, well, no. Uh, well, I'm right here, right? I don't know how big your audience is. So apparently, I just need you. Uh, no, I am. Um, if you live around my house, uh, you, my kids, my pets, my cats, if my cats could talk, right? Much like any pet or pet could talk, uh, I tend to spend a lot of time narrating what I do, like talking out loud. Uh, the storytelling thing is interesting. So I have dabbled in uh, stand up comedy. I've done that for the last like six, seven years, just done open mics. I am going back to talent. Never is committed. It's a it's a late night game, and I was trying to balance a home life, and I just never put in the effort to be as good as some of these comedians, not only locally but nationally. But what's happened over the last, and we'll go pre COVID times, uh, kind of you know it started in New York. There's this thing called the Moth, and it came to different cities, and it's here in Cleveland in Akron. There's three or four spots pre COVID that once a month they put on storytelling shows. They give you a prompt. It's sometimes open mic, sometimes booked. And it challenges you each month to tell a story, usually in eight or 10 minutes. I tend to lean more comedic. I like to be more fun, which can be tough. Some of these stories are very emotional and very dark and very deep and personal. And so I'm always like, look, before the person who tells this deep story about their parents and the, and the trauma and drama, and I'm up there slinging like jokes about like buttholes, like let's not, let's not let me follow them. Like, that's a tough follow. Uh, but I have found a joy a joy, joy of standing in front of a group and finding new ways, similar to journalists, to tell the story, right? It doesn't have to be linear. It's not, hi, my name is BC. This event happened, A, B, C. Sometimes maybe I'll tell the end and then I'll kind of work my way backwards. Sometimes it's a dramatic opening. Sometimes it's soft-spoken to really get people along for three minutes and then it's an explosion of excitement in the air. That challenge of giving a prompt, right? Christmas vacation, um, you know, that's that even like weird prompts. And then how can I find a story from my life, a real story and try to make it entertaining, which sometimes it's not. And but the, that vibe of standing in front, I love live entertainment. I miss that so bad with COVID being in front of people. I work as a wedding DJ uh, on the weekends as well. So like all that stuff is gone. And as much as I like this, I like talking and like zoom live crowds working in front of people. Uh, that is, um, there's a joy of the no net, right? That trapeze artist vibe of when you perform your best. In live performances, uh, there's something special that whatever I say happens and it's gonna be good or it's gonna be not, but it is. And that is, that's fun. It's scary, but it's really fun. So I'm gonna immediately, you, you, you hit something and I wanna talk about it immediately. Zoom etiquette. So when you set up a call on Zoom, not necessarily an interview like we're doing here, but you have a business call on Zoom, right? And they don't turn on the video. You've never met this person before. What, is that nice, not nice? Is it, dis, is it disrespectful? What's your feeling about that? Is there Zoom etiquette? And, and is there a 10 commandments of Zoom? I've written about this. So I just want to hear if you pick up on anything. Uh, hands down, yes. Audio, video on. I think that's the way to go. If we're going to have this, I mean, I could call you on the telephone, but there is something. If you don't have it on, if you're in a group of, uh, let's say it's an office meeting, right? and the boss has the meeting and like nine employees show up, right? And Jack doesn't have his camera on. Well, two things happen. And this is true of any type of business policy. First, why is Jack so darn special that he doesn't have to deal with the rest? I don't care if he didn't shower or didn't comb his hair. And B, we are all living under the assumption of Zoom rules, right? Uh, full, fourth wall for disclosure, I'm wearing gym shorts, polo shirt, 
gym shorts. That's Zoom etiquette. I like to call it the mullet theory. It is business up top, party down below, right? That's how you rock and Zoom. But up top, make it count. Look, my watch, the battery's not even working right now. This is all purely aesthetic. I, I was like, oh, shoot. But it looks good with the outfit. So I'm, you know, so I'm going to wear it. So that part, like make your top half as presentable as possible. Turn the video on. Uh, think about the audio. You don't have to have microphones and such, but uh, know that. And then we're past the time. I think people should have an understanding of like the lag, you know, that kind of, can you hear me now? Cause sometimes people glitch and lag and they make it repeat and they get frustrated. It's just one of those acceptant things of zoom. You have to deal with that. So I am all in on trying to make this at least in what you can see right in this rectangular box. Right. Uh, what's, what's outside of this is a wreck. What's in here, right? It's about, it's a presentation. It's just, it's another story, right? What's in this box, like who knows what's behind there, right? You got all these things, you got, you know, that's running around underneath you, Jimmy. I don't know what you got going on down below there, but what you got in the box, that's good. And I think that's the key. Turn it on, make what's in the box look good. There you go. And I, again, I think it's a sign of respect when you're talking to someone, look them in the eye, be on camera, and be comfortable with what you see, because I guarantee every single person that you talk to at some point during the day, usually in the morning, has looked at themselves in the mirror and has said, good enough for today. And then they move <laughs> yeah. on. Right. Yes, they, yes, they have. Good they enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And we're our toughest critics anyway. Right. So yeah, oh. good enough. Move on. Let's talk about cannabis. Uh, I always ask people to tell if you're comfortable your own cannabis story. You know, one of the things that got me to being in this host chair was being comfortable with the fact that I have been a regular user of cannabis from a medicinal perspective, I would say, for the majority of my 63 years, 39 out of those 63 years. That being said, I also took off 10 years when I became a father because I wanted to somehow or other make sure that any parenting I did was not under the influence of anything other than life. And you know what? It lasted 10 years, let's just say. Uh, so did that marriage. Anyway, let's go back to your story. And if you're comfortable telling it, please do. And if you're not comfortable, I'll respect that too. Uh, well, first, you look fantastic for 63. So uh, kudos to you. Apparently, the cannabis is working. Who knew, right? I'm, leave I'm, I'm leaving my body to science. There's no yeah, doubt, right? Okay. Uh, natural science. Uh, <laughs> right. First, up to that point, it's interesting. It's interesting to talk about comfortability. And that's one of the things we have, one of those conversations we have in the first day of our class is this is, and I guess the term is safe space. So I'm not a huge fan of that word, but I get that concept. Like this is a place where you can't talk about it openly. Like, just know that, know that we're okay. We're not going to judge, uh, you know, be careful. I don't know if I light up a giant blunt on camera, but I don't. it's okay. Like you want to talk about usage. It is weird to me. And I think about this sometimes, this very polo. I met some people for lunch. Now we're talking about a year and a half ago. I was coming from the college, uh, co-workers, previous job. And I rolled into, uh, I think it was an Olive Garden, somewhere like that. I sit down and this woman, I hadn't seen in a few years, but we had been friendly before, just wide-eyed. Like, what is on your shirt? I was like, did I spill something? I thought like, did I get like some Alfredo sauce? I'm like, like, I had no clue what she's talking about. And I was looking around and she's like, do you sell weed? It's like, because I, I, I had to correct myself. I call it cannabis so often that it's hard to even say weed. I very rarely say the word, but that's how, you know that kind of word. And she's like, you sell weed? I'm like, what are you talking about? No. She's like, well, what is this place? 
And so I had to explain it. And it's made me realize in the four or five years since I've been doing this, and I found myself consulting a few times for different marketing companies. It's a really weird area, especially with having kids and parents. And we do, we are, I'm open and I talk about it. So that part's there. But with my oldest who knows about it, like we're comfortable and it's not like it's promoted around the house. I mean, it's a job. I go to a place and I work, right? Just like any other place. But we've had parents who think it's weird or it's odd, or we're going to like, you know, give them giant edibles when they walk in the door. But I often think if I work for, and this is nothing against them, Great Lake Brewery, Thirsty Dog Brewery, Sam Adams, if I had a Jack Daniels polo on and I walked into a school event, they'd be like, all oh, right, you work for Great Lake Brewery. That's so cool. I love Christmas ale. Once again, nothing against it. They, it's a great company. I love a good Christmas ale, but it's a weird thing that it automatically puts up flag or the simple fact. Once again, no other subject that we're going to talk about today would I imagine you would ask my comfortability discussing, even though it's pro-cannabis media, right? Even though we're clearly on a show about it. So I always find that interesting. Let me, and I'll give my origin story in a second, but what have your guest experiences? Is that something you deal with? You're probably past that, but what is that like uh, for other people? Do they have that same vibe or do I, you know, stand alone there? No, I actually, I think most people when they, certainly when they know they're on a we in the weeds podcast that they're going to talk openly about either their usage or their history with the product. And actually, you know, you talk about parenting. I get on parents about this all the time because I'll say to a parent who's uncomfortable with the fact that I'm in the cannabis industry and I'll say, Oh, so have you had, and they have younger kids, let's say teenagers. And I said, so you're pretty comfortable talking about sex with your kids. Right. And they go, well, no. And I go, okay. So here's a great example of how you can actually talk about sex and drugs and rock and roll with your kids. These are subjects that they are interested in or will be interested in. You need to accept that fact and be comfortable with it. And most importantly, get educated about it so that you're not coming at it with 80 years of misinformation and propaganda that we've all been fed for, for most of our lives, okay? Uh, it, it, look, as soon as this current administration takes this plant off schedule one from the Controlled Substances Act, it will change the stigma. Because if you ask most people, why haven't you ever tried it before? The first thing, the first answer usually is because it's against the law. Mm. Well, hell, I guess I've been breaking the law since I was 14 years old, okay? And I've lived to tell the story, okay? So let's get that out of the way. And by the way, I think I've actually had a decent career in broadcasting. I've been a parent. I have a great 30-year-old son who discovered my weed when he was 15 years old. And he pulled it out and he goes, hey, dad, I know what this is. And I go, I bet you do. But I bet you didn't know your dad used it. And he goes, no, I didn't. I said, I use it medicinally. And he kind of looked at me like I was pulling the, you know, like, yeah, sure, dad, right? And actually, it's true. <laughs> I've used it medicinally, certainly for the last, uh, well, let's see, I've had my card since 2013 when it's been illegal in Massachusetts. And then before that, probably for about 20 years now, because I've got horrific arthritis. I've had four major surgeries in 22 years. And I can't sleep at night sometimes because the ache in my musculoskeletal system is so intense that I will wake up in the middle of the night in pain. So 
So young Gabe, my son, that's why I do it. And he bought it. And you know what? It's interesting. He doesn't use it uh, in his life. He has done it. I've seen him do it. Uh, his, his significant other does. But, you know, and, and the other thing that I like about this story, when I tell this story to others, I say, and in Colorado, where, you know, the, the state's had it for 10 years, the usage of cannabis amongst teenagers has gone down. So in legal states now, you've got to study and you've got, and the reason why is because you're telling kids, yeah, it's okay. It's kind of benign. It's a lot less dangerous than binge drinking alcohol, which is something I freak out about when I hear about it. So that's uh, No, I story. would agree. I often have that. Uh, we use this analogy at some point, but you could, uh, you know, and there are, there are obviously some asterisks to this example I'm about to give, but uh, I walk into the store, you know, I grab a fifth of Jack Daniels or whatever type of bourbon and drink that whole thing at one time. It's probably death, right? I'm definitely in the hospital. There's a severe chance of permanent, permanent damage. Uh, most people can consume cannabis to the point where they're going to fall asleep and they're going to wake up the next day and pretty much be fine. I mean, I would say 99, if you're the safety of your own home, we'll put that caveat there. You're going to be absolutely fine. Uh, it's interesting though. Stigma is weird. I still tiptoe it. Uh, you know, I'll call my dad out here. I love him, but he still makes fun of me for working at the weed school, right? So I think some of that's the, you know, older generation. Um, but people adapt. Uh, I first started, I think like a lot of people do, probably like your son Gabe or like yourself, right? 13, 14, here or there. In college, a little bit. But to be honest, it wasn't a thing. Like I tried it. I was more of a drinker, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like college to me was uh, cheap beer, right? That's what I was into. Um, so then- 20s, 30s, I had some kids, had some marriages, did some things, not so much. Uh, for me, very much a late in life thing. Around 35, 36, um, I, don't, I don't know, I was, I was not a healthy person, right? I was not eating well, I was drinking too much. Um, I was a heavy smoker, uh, multiple, like pack and a half cigarettes a day, probably fast food once a day. So terrible diet, terrible pains, I felt miserable, uh, gaining a lot of weight. So I first started, uh, someone said that uh, consuming cannabis, smoking cannabis could help with like bowel movements, like irritable bowel syndrome, which to me sounds silly. I was like, okay, uh, but I'll use an excuse to try some cannabis. Sure, right? Probably called it weed back then, give me some pot. Like, yeah, I'll try it. Um, I don't know, it kind of worked. Like, kind of worked. I was having every night a lot of stomach issues and I went to the doctor and I was on drugs and this medicine and it was all a thing. And here, lo and behold, I could do this and my night would be super smooth. I would not have stomach cramps. I was feeling great. Uh, and through the course of my late 30s into early 40s, it probably increased some, but the side effects were drinking less. I started smoking cigarettes a little less. Uh, and then as I told you right before we went live, around uh, 40, 41, uh, I was still pretty overweight, but I was trying to get healthy and some circumstances led to me going on a healthier diet and uh, losing a tremendous amount of weight. I lost 70 pounds in the last three years. And I went through, started finding cannabis. I started getting into the CBD as well. In that aspect, we're talking that side of being able to like use it for working out. I discovered more people would go to the gym, right? And kind of use a little bit for gym to help with focus. We're talking micro dosing here, right? We're talking very small right. dosages or uh, even, and then I started researching, it's big in MMA. It's big in ultra marathon runners. They'll take a 10, 15 milligram edible that, gets them about a half hour in to almost artificially create a runner's high, like these things. And so I started running and it blows people's minds. 
eight miles, nine miles, uh, all of it while like consuming like a small cannabis edible, really great, right? And so it became this part of me. And then at some point, you know, as the school started, I went there, I was still very, very apprehensive and nervous about telling people. For the longest time, I was like, I'm a teacher at a professional trade school. What school is that? I'm like, you never heard of it. I just didn't want to say it. It was still very closeted for me. And I had a conversation with someone. Um, I'm not sure who they were. Someone I knew from the school, uh, similar to yours. Like at some point for you to be the best you can in this industry, you need to be more comfortable and confident with your consumption, with your story, uh, with cannabis. Like if you're going to sell it, like you can't tell people, not tell people. And once again, I'm not driving a big van with a cannabis leaf on it. Uh, you would never, ever know if you came to my house or talked to me, you would never know. Like it's a very, people are shocked sometimes, but that person was right. Similar to what you said, until you can come out of, uh, you know, the comfort zone and be good with it. And then here's what's happened now in the last two or three years, uh, you know, more and more legal, right? More and more legality to it. We're probably on the edge of some sort of decriminalization with the Moore Act at some point in the next few years. Mm -hmm. Something's happening. Four states legalizing in November. Uh, you know, just traction. Mexico probably legalizing soon. So now it seems in our kids, your kids, my kids, who some of them are younger, are going to grow up in a world where it's perfectly normal. Right. Like, our, isn't that weird to you? Is it weird to you in about 30 years? Uh, and hopefully we're living in the hospice and we got some killer hot boxing happening there and we're living out our age, old days uh, like we should. Uh, there's going to be people who it's perfectly normal to have franchises, not just dispensaries. Uh, just reading an article about the woman that uh, Wanda Dames around Simply Pure in Colorado about franchising with uh, different minority ownerships, uh, which is a great business model. But franchises like a McDonald's. Hey, Jimmy, you want to invest in a in a MedMen franchise? We're going to put one down on uh, the corner. Not MedMen. Oh, not MedMen. It's the first <laughs> one that came to my head. So I could have stuck with Simply Cure, the one I just uh, the one I just referenced. Any Joe's weed, right? Yeah, I yeah. get you. Yeah. So it's a weird concept to me that within a decade, who knows? Right. It's going to be fairly normal. And by the time you know we're done and we're helping provide the next great soil to a great cannabis plant, it's going to be pretty darn normal uh, moving into the future. That's cool. It's cool to say you were a part of something that was prohibitioned. You work through it and now it's fairly normal, right? right. It's fairly normal. And it's not just as evident uh, by us uh, who are obviously rocking the twilight years of our life. Uh, pretty normal, not for the young kids either. Like it's, it's not for the young kids either, which is, I think, a big misconception. Right. Well, you know, when you tell a kid, a child, not to do something... Don't touch that oven, little BC, okay? Because that oven is going to be hot and you're going to, what's the first thing you're going to do? I'm going to touch it twice. Damn right. <laughs> what's, what's hot feel like? Oh, that's what it feels like. <laughs> okay, I get it. That's human nature, right? That's just human nature. So again, we're starting to see research about this. We're starting to get some uh, movement at the federal level. Uh, needless to say, you know, we do have a new administration now. There, there is, uh, we, we have a great relationship with the NCIA, the lobbyist group out of Washington, D.C. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been able to interview a few of them. And, you know, they really do believe that within the next year, we will see some kind of federal movement in reform. And I'm not sure what that is going to be or how big that's going to be. Needless to say, there are a few more pressing issues for the government to take care of in the next, 
oh, I don't know, a few months. This pandemic is, is put a, needless to say, put a focus on something that I think we all have to take care of. And I'm glad that we're finally, uh, we have a vaccine. There actually is a plan. And even though there have been some issues with getting out the vaccine, I'm thinking that they're going to rectify that and get it out to as many people as possible, certainly by the end of this year. So a year from now, we'll look back at this time and say, wow, that was a pain in the, that, that 2020 and 2021 took forever to get through, but we got through it, thankfully, and uh, we, mo we move on. Um, can you believe though, that we are actually talking about a historic time, the end of prohibition is upon us. It's one of the reasons why I started my podcast and started this business in the first place, because I recognized that this was, wow, we're, we're changing history here. And, and all I'm doing, I know BC, you can relate to this, is talking about it openly, accepting it. It's here. Let's talk about it. Let's learn about it. Let's educate ourselves. You mentioned the endocannabinoid system. Well, you mentioned cannabidiols, those CBDs, THCs, CBNs, all those wacky little chemicals in that, that awesome plant. And then you look at the history of it and you realize not only has it been used medicinally for thousands of years, but even in the 1920s in the United States of America, Five million prescriptions were written by medical doctors for cannabis in this country before those white capitalists decided to make it prohibited and start uh, the 1937 reefer madness propaganda campaign that a lot of people grew up believing. And unfortunately now, well, actually, fortunately now, we've all pretty much shown that that is a bunch of bunk, as they say, if not other things. Um, you know what's crazy to me when we talk about this, the, the, the history, and we are clearly going to, as you see, as you said, see the end of it at some point. Sooner than later, probably, especially given our administration, I think you'll see that. I still am. I'm shocked. I'm shocked when I sit here today, and I was just looking up at both Ohio's and nationally the most recent data, that the pandemic, right, this COVID-19 has been I mean, you're talking a 35% plus increase in sales over 2019 of a business that what, grows about 14, 15% every year, right? Um, out the door, right? The, the rise in edibles, there was just a big article on that, just a huge rise in the amount of processed and extracted materials, right? Dry flour will always reign supreme. But I would have never, if you just come back, you know, we did this last year, January, uh, we're sitting here and we are saying, hey, uh, this summer, it's going to be an event that's going to shut down the world. Take an industry that's going to have its best year ever. Take a state like Colorado that's going to sell two, the, with a B, billion dollars in a singular year, right? That has did 1.4 last year, so it wasn't like it was that uh, much of a dump. It's going to the one industry, right? So I guess two, electronic communication, as we sit here on Zoom. Zoom has thrived, but cannabis and nice. out the door. And I think, I really think, and you take away some of the politics aside, that plays a part of it. The COVID and the corona and it being deemed an essential business legitimized it, I think, for a lot of other people and who are maybe naysayers, who are maybe on that edge. And now, I don't know, I think cannabis industry is in some weird way, you're not, you know, very thankful for this kind of slowing down of society and being able to uh, get their foothold into there, which speaks to its medicinal purposes and such. Uh, but I was, I, I'm still blown away, mind blown. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have talked about that, but just, I'm sure you have. What an impact, the fact that everyone not being able to get outdoors and 
states deeming it essential has propelled it to uh it just gave it a kick in the rear just really it was it was going good like we were going pretty good we were running the race and they put right. rocket shoes on us and we're just like later every other industry here we go well think about it it's expanding you know it it, it feeds uh, the taxes that are on this that are attached to the regulations you know are taking care of our roads uh, they're putting it into local communities you know there's so many benefits economically to this plant and now the research that's out there and the science that's behind it has shown that it's actually beneficial to the wellness community you mentioned older people i don't know how old your dad is i'm sure i'm hoping he's older than me and uh, he's right there does that make you feel bad he's probably like <laughs> two years older yeah, uh, just I just say it like I, I I tend man. Now my dad having he was young, that's his soul. But yeah, uh, he's pretty much the same. <laughs> all right, whatever. That's all right. I, it's okay. I'll let you get away with it. Um, I want to ask you one question about your business class, real quick, and then sure. I we're, we're because we've been talking, it's been great. Um, I do want to touch on sports because I know we both love sports. But if there's one thing you say you work on presentation skills for people who want to get into the business of cannabis. What is the one thing that you see on a regular basis for from your class that you would like to see others who want to get into the cannabis space should work on or understand? What is there one thing in particular, or is it a lot of things? Uh, well, I will tell you this: when I have, I have, uh, I have a couple through lines right through my class. Uh, the first, right, is hard work, effort, discipline. Just those three principles, but that's not shocking. Like that's something people can rely on, but no one's waiting to just give you it right. We're uh, because of the times and because of the popularity, we're a little past. If you grow it, they will buy it. You got to be a little smarter in that regard. Right. But if there's one thing I have to offer, one thing I try to really impress upon people when they're designing presentations, when they're thinking of entrepreneur, when they want to start up is the odds of you creating something brand new that's never been seen before, it's probably rare. Possible, right? I don't doubt it. Pretty rare. There is only one thing that separates you from anyone else getting into CBD or baking an extract or developing a butt and breakfast or baking a delivery service or you know whatever it is. And we have seen a variety of lovely ideas that people come up in this class and beyond. It's you, like them personally, you, Jimmy. You bring to the table things that no one else can. Right. And the underestimation of, highlighting your story. We'll bring it back to that. Like your plight, why are you in this? Make that connection up front. Is it a family member that had MS that used them? Is it some sort of childhood drama? Or that's, it's a vice. Do you just want to get people as extremely high as possible with some 38% THC uh, from the Emerald Triangle? I don't know. Whatever your business is, because there's a need for that, right? There's a need to get that. And that is the beauty of our plant. Uh, and I say that ownership wise, but this plant is it is medicinal, but it is a vice. And very few people can justify the medicinal purposes of alcohol or the medicinal purposes of cigarettes, though. Uh, I got a toothache, a shot of whiskey does help, uh, but it's a hard sell for those. And the vices, right? There's a very few people who will say, look, uh, you know, you should get addicted to protein shakes or other types of healthy goods. It sits in the middle that is a business person. It's endless. Do you want to celebrate the medicinal aspects of it? Uh, we know you know, medicinal cannabis is 40 and up. So highlight there. Do you want to uh, really hit the adult use market, 21 to 35, right? The, you know, the younger millennials that are buying it. Fine. There is no difference between your company and everyone else's, but you individually. So do not be afraid to share your story. What makes you qualified to do this? 
highlight your personal skills. Uh, I worked forever employee management training, uh, became lean certified through some programs. What skills do I have? This, I want to work in cannabis, right? So highlight you. So many people want the product and it's good, but I encourage the story and the connection of you, you, the audience, when you want to start it, why you? And that's a question I say literally every class, why you? Not why them, not why the product, not why the device, why you? Because that's what I'm investing in. If I'm an investor, uh, I would look at you because the product's a design, it's a patent, it's an idea that's great. You're the leadership of, right? And I think you see that if you watch Shark Tank and these shows, the people are, oh, 50-50, maybe more than the product. So why you? Sell yourself. Don't be afraid of yourself. Absolutely. And be comfortable with who you are too, which is not an easy thing to accomplish. A lot of people still are uncomfortable with themselves in their own skin. And, you know, you don't have that problem, BC, nor do I, which is <laughs> good. But we're both lovers of sports and we haven't talked about it. And since this is going to air within the next couple of weeks, I'm not sure if it's going to happen before or after that big game down in Tampa Stadium, Raymond James Stadium, the, the Super Bowl. There's this, there's this guy that played a lot of games here in New England named Brady, I think, got his team back into this, got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to play a home game in his own home stadium against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, is the most exciting NFL football player uh, that I've seen come along in a long time. Um, Brady is great. Don't get me wrong. Mahomes is exciting. He's a completely different animal. How do you see this game? What do you think is going to happen? Or are you like me? And I just want to see a good story and a good competitive game. I think you got the story. You already have the story. You have uh, the goat and I don't know what a baby goat is called. The kid, kid. goat. That's He's the kid. kid goat. It's yeah, the goat I mean, so and the kid goat. It's, it's, uh, it's clearly a perfect thing. Yeah. A generational type talent. Those weird underhand passes that Mahomes does and these clicks and he's like, that is mind blowing to me. And Brady is consistency, right? Tried and true. Just there doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. You know, Bill Belichick is sitting there saying, you know, coulda, right? Um, so the story's written. Now we have, right, you know, the old goat and the young goat coming together. I hope it's a good game. Uh, I'm glad Mahomes is more healthy. Uh, I know my Cleveland Browns, the team I root and die for. Gosh, I feel like they could have been there. I'm going to be honest. I feel like right there against the Chiefs, we could have beat the Bills. Mahomes was injured. Uh, but I'm glad he was healthy because the Bills playing the Chiefs without it is not the same. So I'm glad it's a healthy team. I think, I mean, I feel weird. I struggle to root for an AFC team. I think there's some weird bias of my own division and I don't want Mahomes or Josh Allen to be considered better than the quarterback that of the team I root for, which is so petty, but you know, I'm a, you know, I also won't drive. You can, yeah. you can be petty as a sports fan. It's okay. I'm driving down 76 into 80 on Pittsburgh and I'm finding loops around it. Like anything to avoid the three rivers at all costs uh, is how I roll. Right. That's, I share that's that my, too. Yeah. I get to Michigan. I know Michigan adult use cannabis. I'm like, yeah, take it. I'm going to Illinois. I'm not buying your products, team up north, right? That kind of vibe. So I'm excited for it. I think Brady's going to win. I feel like it's a, a destiny thing. Um, right. I would have never guessed. Once again, if you would have said in September, Tom Brady, getting older, 43, you know, four years younger than I am, out there, he's going to go to the Super Bowl with this team. I would have never pictured it. Mahomes, clearly, you would have. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good game. The whole advantage thing is really cool with the exception of if there was ever a year right. to it be a bummer, it's the year when there's no crowds, even though 
And if you watch that Green Bay game, which was, I think, the largest single attended NFL game this year, yeah. it was still probably only like 17,000. Right. It was loud. Like, I right. think we forget what a 40,000 or whatever these stadiums, 60, 70,000 is going to be like. So uh, I don't I mean, know what the crowd limit will be in Tampa Bay. I do. Uh, Florida is like probably pretty progressive. 25,000. 25, okay. We're limiting it to 25,000 and 7,500 of those are first responders. Oh, and, that'll be cool. Yeah. And then you've got to figure the rest are corporate. So you're not going to have a huge home crowd. There'll be some people. The thing is, you know, for years, I don't think a lot of people like Brady because he was always there and the Patriots were always there. They were always easy to root against. There are, no, there are a lot of people that like the Patriots outside of New England, okay, because they always won and were competitive. But now I think because he's wearing different laundry and, you know, this might be his last hurrah, I do think there's a sentimental favorite in this, and it is Brady. So, uh, and, you know, he's trying to keep the Chiefs from achieving back-to-back Super Bowls. And just in case you forgot that the last time an NFL team won back-to-back Super Bowls, it was the Patriots in 03 and 04. Just a reminder. That's what I'm here to do. It's a weird stat. Jimmy happens to have in his head all the great victories his team has celebrated. Um, (laughs) Quite a few. I agree with you a thousand percent. Brady on the Patriots. I'm going NFC, who's ever playing. 100%. Brady on Tampa. I'm like, yeah, go Tom. But it's really soft in his approach. Let me ask you this. What do you think of the theory that because he's home, right? Now he's going to wake up. He's going to have to kiss Giselle and look at his beautiful house and his kids versus the routine of a Super Bowl, which he's been to many. Right. On the road, away from home, are these Tampa Bay players, because they're literally in their house, and I, okay. if I was the coach, if I was uh, Arians, I'd probably put them in a hotel for a few days, and they probably are. Yeah, I By feel that's way, a weird. That's what's going to happen. And just so okay. you know, it's going to be just like any other home game, any other home game routine that they've had. So if when they are in the team hotel, it'll be the same team hotel that they've been in all season, okay? So there is going to be some home routine but I don't think that that home field advantage is going to be that much of a factor. It's still going to come down to execution. It's still going to come down to the defense more than anything else because it's cliche, but in sports cliches are cliches because they're true. Defense wins championships. So no matter how good Mahomes is, no matter how good Brady is, and don't forget Brady actually threw for 500 yards in the Super Bowl and lost. So remember, it's always going to be about the defense in this game. Okay. Um, hey, BC, how do people, uh, what, what's your, what's your podcast and how people could find it? The normal, the normal distribution channels as it were. Yeah. So I have started is, you know, once again, I have a couple podcasts too that are running right now. Um, one is through evergreen media or evergreen podcast found anywhere. You listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google podcasts, Amazon, it's called behind the doc. It is a documentary podcast where myself and my co-host, Heather Grayson, we speak to a variety of documentary filmmakers, directors, producers about their movie, why they did it, their subjects. Um, It's a really fun show. Uh, I love movies. I love cinema. Uh, But it didn't fill a need. As I said, I love to talk. And since no one was talking to me, I had no place to go tell stories, uh, you know, Jimmy, much like yourself, uh, with a microphone and a mouth. Uh, I decided let's do this. So I have a podcast called Wayward Planet, uh, where it is a long form interview. It's audio only, uh, usually two hour shows, three hour shows. Uh, we just sit and chat. It's a variety of people. There's a bunch of people in the cannabis industry. There's actors, there's musicians, uh, there's sports trainers. I don't know. Basically, if you're willing to come on and talk to me for a couple hours, 
feel confident and it's a weird skill. A lot of people say, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, just trust me, show up. We'll make it work. Like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. It could be aliens. It could be the weather. I'm a big fan of disc golf. I play a lot of disc golf, as you can see in the background. So that's my hobby. So I'll talk about something with anyone. Uh, and I tend to, in all honesty, I like to talk about things that they don't want to, right? Not in a weird way, but if you're uh, a cannabis person or a musician, let's talk about books or let's talk about your hobbies. Let's, let's get you out of your wheelhouse uh, and really comfort you down. And I went to... I did video at first, but I found on audio is we, people stop worrying about their talk about Zoom, their looks and their box, and they kind of just uh, talk openly. And so it's been pretty fun. Um, I have some other things we might be starting this year, content creation. Uh, so we'll see. I'm always looking for a new thing, but definitely Wayward Planet. That's the one I would encourage you to check out behind the dock. Both of them available. And as any good podcaster would say, subscribe, rate us five stars and leave a review in the box because that helps us spread the word. So it's um, it's like share and subscribe right yes like, like share subscribe uh i don't know i'm not good at marketing funny enough on this stuff even though i think about it all the time i despise i just it's so frustrating sometimes and you yourself can imagine it's just constantly telling people about it and it's fine but then the, you know running social media which i'm not a giant social media person i'm not a fan of it i don't really get on it i it's a necessity uh, what am I trying to say? A necessary evil, right? Of doing yeah. promotion, but gosh, and the only time I go on Twitter or whatever is to do my posts, and then I go, well, I feel bad for society, and then I, you know, turn it back off. That's my other tip, by the way, to be successful. No social media. I'm, here's my I, thing. At some I am point, not. I I am not going to give you a comment on social media unless you invite me on your show. How's that? Yes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at some point, I think companies should stop responding. I mean, what you think about this? The angry complaints on social media. Right. All you're doing is letting people who have no really need to connect to you. And there's a line, right? But we respond so fearfully that some random person in some random place went to some random burger joint and had a bad burger that it's going to destroy the chain. I don't know. I'm, I think you're going to see a few years down the road, the uh, reverse social media. I think you're going to see some pushback down the road. At least I hope so. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe they just go away and I don't keep up with the Joneses because I'm sitting here saying on my lawn yelling at people <laughs> from the side, but I'm not a fan of that part. I understand that. And uh, I'll be, like I said, be happy to share my feelings about it on your podcast if you invite me. So no, you're you on. Go. It's the invitation is always open, Jimmy. We as clearly, you've probably been trying to stop this for 15 minutes. I'm like, no, no, let's keep 10, just oh, 10. 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 <laughs> minutes. Uh, well, I'm looking at my watch. It doesn't even work. I already spoiled that. Uh, so for sure, I would say it's on. Uh, and then it's no, no, no filtered as long as you want to go. Uh, we'll, we'll go down some weird rabbit holes. All right. Hey, BC Wayman, I knew I would enjoy talking with you. And I knew that the time would fly, which means we had a good time. So for BC Wayman, I'm Jimmy Young for Pro Cannabis Media and In the Weeds. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for liking. Thanks for subscribing and all that. Have a good one.
Weed Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of pro-cannabis media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area. Now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. Pro Cannabis Media Programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at Pro Media, on Instagram at Pro Cannabis Media, on LinkedIn also at Pro Cannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on Pro Cannabis Media, Twitter at Pro Media, and on twitch.tv backslash pro cannabis media so like share and subscribe to all of our content newsletters and shows live or on demand we are pro cannabis media